When I was a teacher of teachers in training in Toronto, I was hired originally by Niagara University in Lewiston, New York, to teach in their program in Toronto for Ontario trained teachers. And I was asked to teach a course in literacy at the primary and junior level. I had never really thought about it or how I was going to teach it, but I was offered the job and I was glad to get it because I just finished with my PhD and I had tried to decide what I was going to do at the age of 61, having got a, a PhD. So I started to put together a program for literacy instruction. Now, you have to know that I've always been a reader. And because I was a teacher librarian, I read books for children so I would know what books to refer my students to when they came in or they were, and they were looking for good books to read or when I wanted books to read to my class. So I became a devotee, a lover of children's fiction. But it blew my mind when I was standing in front of these young people in their 20-somethings usually who wanted to be teachers and I soon very quickly discovered that the vast majority of them don't even read. They're not readers. They're travelers, they're athletes, they're dancers, but they don't read. So how on earth can teachers who don't like reading teach their children how to read? I read an interesting statistic in one of the emails that I get from professional journals and stuff. And it was from something called the Coalition for Literacy Instruction. And they were advocating for teachers who were well-trained and had all the proper teaching tools. So right off the bat, I wondered to myself, why are they not addressing the elephant in the room? Why are they not addressing the problem of the vision of what we're supposed to be doing in classrooms and the dispositions that we need to have in order to teach young people? And I think one of the most important dispositions is to have a love of learning, to have a love of reading, to have a curiosity about the world around us. How can I teach young people to love to read if I don't love to read myself? If you look at the sports world, every coach that's hired was a first-run player. They have a love of the sport. So naturally that love exudes from them from pore to pore. 
so they can pass that love along to the other people that they're trying to teach. How do teachers who have no love of reading, who go home at the end of the day and watch TV and watch sports, but they don't read, how do you imbue a group of students with the love of reading? It's becoming even more important today because when you look at classrooms, especially in the province of Ontario, but increasingly all over the United States and even in Europe, you are confronted with young people who have come from all over the world. How do you come to learn about those people? I have always been curious about my own background and the history of the Jewish people and what the Jewish people went through over the centuries. So I read a lot about Judaism and Jewish history. But now that I know that there are so many students from all over the world and we have such a huge migration issue to deal with, which is causing huge instabilities around the world. I use that word huge a lot. I'm sorry. Major instabilities politically, economically, socially, because of migrations. And when you read deeply into what's going to happen because of climate change, you come to realize that that's only going to get worse. The countries that are going to have higher temperatures in the Middle East and less rainfall are going to find people moving to areas where they don't have to deal with starvation and aridity in the land. They're going to want to live in a world where the temperatures aren't quite so hot and there's a little bit of rain once in a while. As the seas rise, as global warming causes the level of the water in the oceans to rise, you're going to have all these people living in low-lying cities close to the water wanting to find new places to live so they can stay dry and not have to deal with constant flooding or fires or um, uh, lack of rain or too much snow or too much whatever. I look out my window and we're getting more snow this winter in the Great Lakes area than we have had in years and years and years. It's okay for me. I'm still able to look after my driveway, but if I'm old, I have to start thinking about how am I going to continue to live in a house where I have to worry about shoveling the snow. So all of these decisions affect where we're going to live, and then for teachers, it affects who they're going to be teaching. The student body has changed because of the immigration issues. I read a book recently that I think is a typical example of what teachers should be reading 
and what students should be reading to try and understand what it's like to cross an ocean today, not a hundred years ago when our parents or grandparents or great-grandparents left Europe and came to the New World. Today, because there's a huge difference between what was a hundred years ago and what there is today. The book that I want to talk about is by Jasmine Warga, W-A-R-G-A, and her book is called Other Words for Home. It won over 20 honors. It was named a, a John Newbery Honor Book in 2020, which means it came out in 2019. So we're talking about a, a very, very good book. And what's it about? It's about a young girl by the name of Jade and her mother who are, are sent to live with relatives in Cincinnati. And she leaves behind her father and her brother. Something that, for those of us that know what close families are like, is very hard to deal with. Of course, we have modern communication technologies, which means we can stay in touch a lot easier. But that isn't the same as being with them and being sleeping under the same roof. So Jade and her mother moved to Cincinnati. And it's all about adapting to culture change. This young girl has come from, from Syria, where there has been a civil war, where there is constant bombing, where there is political unrest, where there is famine in some parts of the country, where there is war to deal with. And she gets plumped down in Cincinnati, where children dress differently, where they don't deal with famine and war and, and political instability, and they live in homes that are built completely differently. And she wakes up in the middle of the night where it's quiet. There's no bombs going off near her. And there is no line of migrants running away from the war-torn areas. Can you just imagine what it must be like for a young girl, let's say 10, 11, 12, growing up in a very close-knit family, where there are different holidays and different foods and different traditions. And all of a sudden, she's plumped into the middle of the United States and she has to learn to come to understand. The book is called Other Words for Home. And that gives an indication of what this book really is trying to convey. Home, of course, for all of us, is where we feel comfortable because we're surrounded by love and comforts and things that belong to us and things that make our life real to us. Foods that we like in the refrigerator, programs that we like on TV, 
movies that we can see, and so on. But if you're a migrant, if you're all of a sudden, like the Afghans who have come from war-torn Afghanistan to Canada and the United States and parts of Europe, they have a whole range of problems they have to deal with acclimatizing or getting used to living in a different place and responding differently to things that one used to take for granted. If a teacher reads that book and thinks about it, imagine if you've got a Syrian refugee or an Afghani refugee or a refugee from Iraq or Lebanon in your classroom and you read this book, in my opinion, one of the most important skills in teachers today is empathy. Being able to see the world through the eyes of the other. Imagine what it must be like for a teacher who has no appreciation of immigration. Their parents grew up in North America. Their grandparents grew up in North America. Their great-grandparents might have grown up in North America. And all of a sudden, they're dealing with a child who's far removed from all of those things. That child is rootless in the new world and reading about her challenges helps you the teacher understand what the challenges are like for anybody in the same situation although each individual's challenges are different there are certain similarities um, when I was a young student in university there, was, there were lots of books that were written about the immigrant experience moving from Europe to North America at the turn of the 20th century. But what happened in the 20th century is very different than what's happening in the 21st century. When people moved in the 20th century, they cut off communications with their family completely. They don't get letters every time they turn around. They don't get text messages. They don't get cell phones, cell phone messages or phone calls. They don't have a, a they didn't have iPhones or iPads where they could see pictures. They're totally separated from their family. So a book like Jasmine Warga's book, Other Words for Home, is crucial to read to understand your students, our students. And if you don't like to read, how are you going to come to understand? How can you look at the world through the eyes of the other? I can't imagine what it's like not to read and not to try to understand. But if anybody's listening to this who is a teacher, 
please read a little bit. Come to see what it's like when the shoe's on the other foot. Those who read succeed, not just financially, but emotionally and socially as well.